iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Pilot, I love you. Will you marry me? This engagement party is a moment to celebrate a new future, but not without first exploring a past. Greta K, Anna Pena, Lizzie Gray, this Korean, that Korean, and Lizzie Gray again. Okay, I think that's enough, right? I got a letter from the University of Michigan. I got a job for two years. Two years is nothing. Really? And we'll start planning the wedding again from there. We both know I deserve to get super laid for this. Do you want me to wear a cape or something? I want the show. You get the Cirque du Soleil of shows. Lots of this and this stuff. <laughs> How's Michigan? Oh. oh, it's a fire hydrant! All in all, it's an adjustment. Here's our guest list, like 600 people. No. Maybe just we... You can... don't want to get in front of this train, but... Have you two picked a date yet? Not yet, but within the year. Congratulations, you've been promoted. You're going to be with us for a few more years. Can't wait to tell Tom. You this told me that it was going to be two years. It's sort of like when you're on a treadmill and you tell yourself, I'm going to run five miles today, and now it's forever miles. When was the last time you were on a treadmill? Sorry. This is supposed to be exciting. This is your wedding. You only get a few of these. Well, I wonder. Of course, the men will wear yarmulkes. Babe, you don't have a yarmulke. I have a hold. It's in my Jewish drawer. I don't think we can figure out all of our problems before we get married, but I promise you that I will just love you every step of the way. Any ideas when this wedding might happen? Grandparents do have a tendency to die. Mom, they're all right there. Well, for now. <laughs> this is why we do not delay weddings. The five-year engagement. What a cute little flower girl you'll be. I'm Pocahontas. Let's welcome to the stage our guest moderator, Aaron Hillis, and filmmaker from the next installment of the Saw series, Nick Stoller. Hi, hi. Hello. Uh, where to begin here? Uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, that I, I like about your films is that uh, they, they combine two things that, uh, that I like. Uh, tender, human, you, you know, humane characters that I, I can recognize things that... And they bury a key in someone's stomach. <laughs> <laughs> that and, uh, and dirty jokes. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of curious, you know, what, what, has been, what has been the through line with your, you know, with your creative endeavors of why this appeals to you and you know why you continue to uh, make films that, that mine these two things uh, well I mean I just I find like you know with uh, I you know we live in an R-rated world and I, I don't you know people curse in real life and certainly when you're getting dumped or having relationship issues lots of weird stuff happens you know there's there's certainly cursing but there's also often weird failed sexual encounters and that kind of stuff and so uh, I don't see a separation between drama and comedy I think they you know they're certainly they're kind of one of the same. Uh, and I also deal with life by making jokes. Uh, that's probably not healthy, but it's the way I, <laughs> I certainly view the world. So. I think it's absolutely healthy. Yeah. And then how, about, uh, then how about this film? I mean, uh, the, the title, the trailer, it kind of, uh, the, the setup is, is right there 
right in front of you. Uh, what was what was the impetus for this? So how did how did this? What was the original nugget that started this one? Uh, you know, after uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall's, uh, Jason Siegel and I wanted to do a other uh, romantic comedy, and um, we wanted to uh, kind of delve into like a, a long relationship. Um, and I was sitting uh, in my office, and like the words of the five-year engagement just popped into my head, and I wrote it down and looked at it and called up Jason and re- read those words to him, and he said, yeah, that sounds awesome. And so we started figuring it out. It's kind of a high-concept way to do a low-concept idea. <laughs> so, I mean, so then what came next? I mean, like, how, how did, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm curious about the creative process, and, and do, you, do you, from there, do, do you come up with the premise first? Do you come up with characters first, somewhere, somewhere in the middle? I mean, how, how, does it, how does that first draft come to be? Um, well, we started like listing all kinds of ideas, like everything that could happen in five years between two people. Um, you know, it, not even thinking about anything else except what what are the what are the kinds of problems that a couple has over the you know course of a relationship, and listing kind of every big problem that people encounter. Like, do you want to have kids? Like, where are you going to live? Like, you know, what, how are we going to deal with our finances? All that stuff. Um, and uh, and then after we did that, we kind of. Uh, put all of those ideas um, into kind of, a, we started to outline, and Jason and I kind of sit together and outline, uh, and once we've outlined, um, we split up the outline and, and write it, so. Um, and then once we've written a draft, it's a usually, a, it's, it's something we call the vomit pass, where we kind of write it in like two weeks, and it's terrible, uh, but at least we have a draft. Uh, we, we re-outline and rewrite that, and then we sat down with Emily Blunt, who we wanted, we really wanted to be in the film, and um, and uh, kind of the movie was obviously really tilted in Jason's direction. We kind of had a long uh, therapy style conversation with her where we were like, when you, you know, when you're angry at someone, how do you deal with it? When you do, you know, and so we kind of rewrote the character or wrote the character to kind of fit her. The story is about uh, the, the, this couple that in their, their five years. A five-year engagement. Indeed. <laughs> and, uh, but one of, the, one of the movie's strengths is, is definitely the supporting characters, uh, even, even some who have very, very small roles, and yet I feel like all of them are kind of tailor-made to the actors. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about casting and how much you're involved in, especially with some of the supporting talent. Well, thank you. That, that's because, yeah, all those, all those characters were tailor-made for the actor. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a pretty lazy writer. I tend to just, I cast someone who's super funny and then steal their actual identity and put it into the movie. <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I, seriously, I think it's better, you know, to kind of write towards people's strong suits. And uh, once, you know, there, there's dramatic reasons, you know, for all the characters, you know, in the film. For example, Susie and Alex, um, they, not to give too much away, but they end up kind of on a much faster track uh, than uh, Jason and Emily's characters. So I knew that we needed them to serve that function. But, uh, but once we cast Alison Brie and Chris Pratt, we, you know, we really rewrote those characters for the actors. And we also do a fair amount of improv, and so the improv also makes the characters more personalized uh, for the actors. Writing, writing these characters, too, uh, you know, as far as both the comedy and whatever, whatever dramatic tension you, you want to, you know, you, you want to get out of these situations, how much of that uh, comes from personal experience, you're, you're a married man, you were engaged once, and, and just uh, stories that you pick up elsewhere that you, know, you kind of modify for uh, I'll actually purposes. say one other thing about the, first, the previous question, which is that the Reese Ifans character, who's like a uh, professor that, that might or might not end up being a love interest in the film, we originally thought it, he was conceived as being played by Samuel Jackson. So that, that was a... Uh, that's something that we certainly rewrote <laughs> for the character for Reese Um Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of uh, 
you know, uh, in terms of um, drawing from real life, I mean, a lot of the, uh, you know, it's, there's nothing directly from real life. It all ends up, uh, it kind of gets, but the, the emotional kind of underpinnings are all things I felt or Jason's felt or people we know, you know, have experienced. Um, there are certainly a few gags in the film, like, you know, uh, when Jason jumps on the fire hydrant, Rodney Rothman, uh, our uh, awesome producer, comedy genius guy, uh, he had jumped on a, uh, there was a, when he was a kid, there was a big pile of dead leaves, and he jumped on it onto a fire hydrant. So, so there's certain uh, things like that that we end, that end up in the film, um, but uh, but not there's not really any specifics besides that. Uh, how how do you and uh, and Siegel work together as as writers? I mean, like uh, you, you talked a little bit about about kind of like throwing it back and forth, but comedy is such a hard thing, and I know there's nothing less funny than deconstructing comedy. But you know, like like how how do you guys manage to work together to have end up having like one unified creative voice Apple screen sharing <laughs> oh there's no giant Apple I can point to <laughs> I was looking for one um, uh, we actually do use that but uh, <laughs> but um, but you know we uh, you know we sit together in a room and we kind of um, we we you know we you know really hash out the story together then we split up split up the story and uh, we split up the outline and kind of write the script separately and then come back together and rewrite it together um, but, uh, but it's important to kind of throw it back and forth. How, how different does the movie end up looking compared to what, what you initially uh, write in the screenplay form? Well, you know, we, we write and rewrite the film a zillion times. Uh, you know, we write our first draft, which is, you know, n never, no one ever sees, and then we rewrite that a bunch of times. And then we'll have the table read and rewrite it off of that. We'll have a second table read, then we have in rehearsals a rewrite based on you know, the act, based on improvs, the actors doing rehearsals. And then when we shoot, we, uh, we shoot what's scripted. And, uh, and then we shoot, um, then I'll improv, and then I'll, throw, I'll yell out jokes. I'm very respectful of the actor's craft. While they're trying to act, I'm yelling out jokes to interrupt, <laughs> to interrupt their acting. Uh, and, um, and Rodney Rothman will pitch me jokes, and I'll yell out those jokes. Uh, and, um, and then we, and we also do improv. And then at the end of the day, it ends up being about you know, 70% scripted, 30% uh, improv. I mean, we're, it's, we go into the shoot assuming we're going to do no improv and going in with the funniest script possible. And then, and then we improv. And I think the improv serves two functions. You get more jokes, so you never know what's going to work. Um, and secondly, uh, it, it makes scenes come alive. So you'll feel the actors getting bored or getting kind of tired, and it kind of gets them off their game a little bit. And, you know, and we'll do it in dramatic scenes. Like, there's a... You know, there's some pretty dramatic scenes in um, in Five Year, and uh, the actors were. Im I had them improv once they had gotten a little stale, and uh, it really, it, it just, it makes it feel more real. Because in real life, you don't really know when you're trying to hash something out with your boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife, you don't know what you're saying. And like, <laughs> the more that we capture that, the funnier it is. You know. So now is probably an appropriate time to uh, continue talking about Jason Siegel's penis. Always. It's always an appropriate time. Uh, which, you know, he went, uh, went full frontal for you in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And yes. uh, there is some nudity. But uh, I heard there was actually full frontal shot in this that didn't make the final cut. We shot some full frontal of Jason Siegel. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, we decided, uh, unlike Sarah Marshall, where it was totally necessary that it was gratuitous <laughs> um, in, uh, in Fiverr. You know, uh, when we were, we were shooting a scene and he's walking out of this, uh, he's walking out into public and he's naked, uh, he, he said to me, I think I should do full frontal in this. And I was like, well, if you want to. And he was like, fine, Nick, I will. And I was like, you don't have to. He's like, I'll do it, fine, if you really want me to. And I was like taking off his pants, as he was saying. Uh, but, you know, it's, 
In Sarah Marshall, the, the, the wiener represents his vulnerability, um, and in this, it felt gratuitous. So. That's the poll quote that's going to be used for this entire, uh, entire that thing. Was, that was intentional. <laughs> but the penis is a strange-looking organ. It's funny, and so it's, 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 uh, it's funny-looking. You know, it's not a, it's not a beautiful thing. Uh, and so, so it's, it's, that's why it's fun to expose them in comedies. Uh, is, the, is there anything else that you Except find... Except in shame. Ex well, that's, Fassbenders that's is a, a very, thing that's of a very sad penis. It's a sad but beautiful penis. <laughs> I think we can all agree. Well, what, what, what other, like, comedy... Who here, saw, who here liked Fassbender's penis? Anyone? No? One? One? Yeah. Okay, one. Where do you go from there? Oh, are, there are there other, like, comedic go-tos, things that you, you just know are, are inherently funny, and if you can work it in sensibly, you will? I mean, we always are, make ironic jokes, but a fart, a well-placed fart, you know, there isn't one in this, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, no, I mean, you know, you always want to surprise, surprise, you don't want to go back, fall on, you know, repeat tropes. And honestly, that's one of the reasons I didn't, we didn't put the penis in the film, we didn't want to repeat it uh, from Sarah Marshall. Uh, do you do you ever have you know when when you're working in with uh, big big studio comedies like this? Uh, how how hard is it to try to try to to try to find something that is going to be accessible to people all over, and yet not uh, you know not infringe on your own on sensibilities or or, or water down the jokes if it were. Um, I mean, I don't try to I don't second guess myself. You know, I just try to do what I think's funny and. Um, you know, as, and the more specific something is, the more people relate to it. You know, when you watch the big romantic comedies, you know, like when Harry Met Sally comes to mind, those are, that's a, everyone, you know, who likes romantic comedies loves that movie, and it's, those are very specific characters in a very specific setting. You can't, you know, um, and I mean, I think the only place where this big studio kind of thing comes into play is you want, you know, you need some sort of concept that's easy to explain to people. Um, uh, and so, the five-year engagement is easy to explain that idea, but then within that, you can, you know, you should. I try to be as specific as possible. So, backstage, we were talking about art films and Terrence Malick. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, do you do you have other things that uh, that you're excited about doing? Uh, I mean, is is there a reason that uh, that relationship comedies have been so near and dear to your heart? Yeah, I mean, I feel very lucky. This is exactly the kind of. You know, these are exactly the kinds of films I wanted to make, um, and to get to make them right off the bat, I, I thought I would have to make Fart College Three like many times before I was allowed to make this, which is an excellent. Fart College One and Two are awesome movies, but, but I, but you know, I didn't want to take that mantle. Um, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is you know, I love all movies. I, you know, I really love all genres. My favorite genre is the smart romantic comedy. Um, you know, whether it be you know, broadcast news or Terms of Endearment or When Harry Met Sally, Annie Hall, Four Weddings and Funeral, all those sorts of movies, Knocked Up, you know, that, that is my favorite, most satisfying thing to watch. So, yeah. Uh, we actually, we haven't spoken about uh, Judd Apatow, who's a producer on this and you worked with before and been a, a collaborator with before. Uh, I'd be curious to know, like, uh, like, what does Judd bring to the table? I mean, like, how, how, does, how does he uh, help you, how does he get the best out of you? Well, I mean, he's just a, you know, he's been my mentor forever, and he's the, he's the greatest producer. He, uh, from a logistical standpoint, he has a deal with, in, with such that uh, under a certain price point, we don't, the studio, we don't, the studio can't make us do anything. We're kind of allowed to do whatever we want, which is 
pretty amazing and you know pretty astounding. So that's that's from a purely logistical place. That's you know it gives us a safe place to make our film. Uh, Universal is always awesome. They you know they give notes. We we listen to them. Uh, but but we don't. If we were to have a disagreement, we wouldn't have to. Um, the uh, in addition, he's just he's a really good kind of uh, set of you know fresh eyes. Um, you know, Jason and I t are really hard on the material. Rodney's really hard on the material. We do a table read where everyone, you know, you know, we invite a bunch of writers and they all tear apart the script. Um, but then uh, Judd is also really hard on the material. So after we've kind of exhausted ourselves going over and over it, he's like a great pair of eyes to be like, this works, this doesn't work, this, you know. Um, and uh, is kind of uh, ruthless in that way, which is good. You know, you need that, uh, that sort of thing. And he's really, he's quite good at... Um, Pre-production in terms of casting and in post-production, uh, he's he's really good at the editing. He's he's not that he's not really around that much for production. Uh, definitely want to turn this over to you guys for questions. So be thinking of something. Uh, I think for the last one, my last one anyway. Let's just get off this for a second. Let's uh, let's, let's get down to business. What's going on with the uh, the Muppet sequel? Uh, I have started uh, writing the Muppet sequel uh, with Mr. James Bobin, who directed the first film. Um, and uh, we've outlined the entire film and are, are on page 13. <laughs> can, can you give any sort of tease of... Next up will be page 14. You're horrible. <laughs> it's it's going to be... It's, it's going to be a good... That was a really Muppety joke. Um, uh, it, it will be... It's a comedy caper. Um, and so with the first one, we re, you know, we really tried to reintroduce the characters and, um, and it was, you know, nostalgic and emotional. On this one, we were kind of we're really embracing the comedy caper elements that a lot of the great Muppet movies have had. So. And all the Avengers come together as one. All the Avengers come together as one. And what I hear is the best third act of any Marvel movie, and I cannot wait to see that movie. So. Uh, your turn, folks. Any questions for Nick Stoller? Hello. Hello. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing the movie. I hope to get into the preview screening tomorrow night. Um, I actually have some Muppet questions um, from the guys at Tough Pigs. Sure. Do you know Tough Pigs? What is it? Tough pigs. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, so Ryan asked, will Walter be in the new movie? Yes. Yes, okay. And then Joe, and I have the same question as Joe at Tough Pigs. Um, will the new film continue from the last one to create a new Muppet continuity, or will it be like the other films and sort of be a self-contained story? Uh, a little of both. You know, there's a, there's, there's a certainly, there's a little bit of connective tissue. Uh, as of now, it's going to change a zillion times, I'm sure, as we, as we write and rewrite it, but... But um, it will, uh, there's a little bit of connective tissue, but then it becomes its own thing. Yeah. Hi, congratulations on everything. Um, Thank you. How do you choose your actors? Do you go just by a casting uh, agency, or you go to a stand-up, and then you choose your actors, or their demo reel? How do you choose them? Um, well, the, the kind of main parts... Um, are generally people I know, like you know, like Chris Pratt and Alison Brie, are people I'm familiar with from just you know. But then, as you get you know to some of the smaller parts, it's casting. Uh, Jeannie McCarthy is a, has cast all three of my movies. She does a really good job. Um, sometimes you know, like sometimes it's like stand-ups and stuff. But for the most part, they're coming through uh, through Jeannie's office uh, for some of those. Yeah, like I think about uh, Tracy Chimo, who plays a little part in this. Uh, who's a big Broadway actress and is going to be a big deal. Um, she, Jeannie introduced me to her. So. Uh, are you working on any new projects with Russell Brand? Okay. Uh, not as of now, but this is a, a weird story. Russell has a show on FX where he talks about politics and he has like a political advisor on stage with him as like an Ed McMahon style figure. And that person is my brother. 
completely un unrelated to, I, I, they met on the set of Greek or Sarah Marshall, I can't remember, and then they re-met at Occupy Wall Street, and now my brother is about to be like Ed McMahon, so it's super weird. Hi. Who haven't you worked with yet that you want to work with? Acting-wise. Uh, I mean, that's a... I don't... I'm not sure. You know, I've been... I'm very... Uh, in this little world where I like to work with the same people over and over again. So there isn't anyone, you know, but I would probably say, um, uh, I'm not sure actually. Yeah, yeah, there isn't really anyone. You know, I, I tend to write and then think of who would be the good, good people to fit, you know. Meryl Streep. <laughs> Hi, congratulations on all your work. Um, my question is, did you pitch um, five-year engagement to a studio? And if you did so, what was your strategy to getting the movie sold? Um, yeah, I did pitch it. In fact, I pitched it uh, before Sarah Marshall came out. Um, Jason and I had a meeting at Universal, and we pitched um, uh, five-year engagement. And in the same meeting, I pitched Get Him to the Greek. Uh, and uh, that was four years ago. And so, um, I mean, the strategy was to pitch something that was easy for them to understand how to market, you know, uh, and something that obviously, first and foremost, needs to be something that's compelling creatively for me, but, but secondly, just thinking about would this be an easy thing to explain, you know, in a short amount of time, which only, of my three movies, The Five-Year Engagement is the only thing that's easy to explain. <laughs> People didn't know who Sarah Marshall was or what the Greek was exactly. So. Uh, kind of jumping off the fact that you said you like to work with a lot of the same people, uh, going forward with your writing, do you think you'll kind of explore more spin-offs like Gebna the Greek or kind of more original ideas? Um, I mean, uh, probably not. You know, Get Him to the Greek started at the Sarah Marshall table read. Russell uh, Brand and Jonah Hill had insane chemistry, and I immediately thought, like, that's a movie. And then I, I for a while, it wasn't a spin-off. It was just the same story with like Russell playing a rock star, and we were like, we can't have him just play a different rock star. That would be just confusing. And so that's when we made it a spin-off. Um, but it didn't, you know, they're tonally quite different films, and we made it a spin-off to kind of. And I also like I'm a I'm a movie geek nerd. I, I like kind of connections like that. But there, as of now, there isn't. I don't have a. Um, something like that figured and, out. And yet to poke a hole in that Jonah Hill plays a different character. I know, and Jonah, Jonah and I had a joke that in this movie he'd play a third character that is obsessed with Alice Snow. <laughs> How important is it for you to direct the films that you write? Um, I direct the... I, it's important when the film is easy to direct. When it's something like The Muppets, I'm not interested because it's super hard. But this is just people sitting and talking. You know, it, it, to, uh, truthfully, it's, it, there's a certain kind of thing I'm fascinated by, which is like, you know, people sitting and talking and trying to hash shit out. <laughs> you know, that's like, that really is like relationship comedies, where, you know, especially between men and women are really what I'm interested in. Um, and, uh, and when, um, you know, and so you, when you're directing, you get so immersed in, in something that you have to be pretty obsessed with it. Uh, as a writer, it's what the, the great thing when you're writing and handing it off to someone else to direct is you can write anything you can think of and you don't need to think about whether, how you're going to do it. So you can set every single scene at sunset because that's pretty <laughs> and uh, not have to worry that that's only 20 minutes of shooting a day. Um, so. Me? Okay. Random question. Are you looking for a Miss Piggy by chance? <laughs> <laughs> 
there, there are, there is a Miss Piggy, uh, but uh, I, I know. I'm sorry, uh, but but uh, but if something happens to her, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What do you look for in directors, like in choosing your directors for your film? Like, what are specific things that you look for in them? For in the actors. Uh, in the directors, for director, like who oh. directed the Muppet? Like, what did you look? Um, well, I'm, I, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say I was. I will with with uh, with Muppets. Um, you know, James James was an old friend of mine, but that was, I don't know. I guess like a uh, a, a vision, you know, and uh, a strong sense of what the movie should be. Uh, a lot of times, you'll you know, there are, there are directors who don't who don't make decisions, don't have a clear idea of what of what it should be, and. Uh, and I think a, a clear sense of what, of what the film should be is kind of the most important thing. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll uh, just kind of end this uh, shill first of all and say that uh, five-year engagement is going to be opening the Tribeca Film Festival this weekend. Yes. And uh, we'll also be opening in theaters April 27th. Yes, April 27th. Uh, what, el what, else, uh, what other projects do you have on the horizon? Uh, really, right now, it's uh, just I'm writing Muppets 2 and... Um, and that's, you know, just trying to, trying to work on that and uh, trying to figure out what I'm going to direct next. Oh, yeah, and I have, a, I have a pilot at CBS. I will find out in mid-May if it is picked up. It stars uh, Michael Angarano, Brie Larson, um, Randall Park, uh, Adam Campbell, Amanda Lund, Victor Garber has a recurring guest role, uh, Liz Kikowski, um, and uh, I'm very excited about it. It came out really well. Hopefully they will decide to put it on the air. So. Well, thank you all for uh, participating. And once again, Nico Stoller. Thank you very much.